Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Face Your Ears podcast. How you doing, Justin? I'm good. How are you, Rich? I'm doing great. Before we begin, I have a question for you. How many platforms is our podcast available on? Hmm, three? Hmm, a little more. Uh, five. Keep going. Seven? Even higher. I give up. All of them? Just about. Face Your Ears is available on 18 different platforms, Uh, so no matter where you listen, you'll find us. And to all of you that have found us, thank you for continuing to listen and supporting us. Yes, thank you so much, everybody. And be sure to tell your friends yearning to delve into the exciting world of DIY audio. Excellent. You know, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, The other day I was checking my email and I noticed that uh, Buzzsprout sent us a message letting us know that we've gotten to 500 listens on our podcast. Wow. So for our listeners who may not know, what is Buzzsprout? Uh, Buzzsprout is the platform that we use to publish our episodes, basically. In a nutshell. Yeah, it's our it's our podcast distributor, I guess. They kind of keep track of all the data and listens and all that stuff. So, Yes, yes, that's a better way of putting it. So I've been thinking about what has brought us here today, and I wanted to just do a brief recap uh, about what we've talked about so far. So we've talked about mics and accessories. Uh, we've talked about interfaces. We've talked about the DAW. DAW. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, All the basic studio setup stuff. Uh, And today we are delving into another critical component. Um, What would that be, Justin? Well, that component is monitors. So studio monitors, a.k.a. the speakers that we use to listen back to our projects to do mixing mastering all of that stuff it really doesn't do us a whole lot of good to have all that other stuff unless we can hear it and so monitors play that really critical role in our studio allowing us to hear the music we're producing and creating so can you get a little more into the weeds as to why exactly we would need monitors i mean i know we got to hear the music but can i just uh you know plug it into my stereo (laughs) Yeah, well, you could. Monitors are a specific sort of tool. Speakers, consumer speakers, that is, are generally built to enhance or color the sound. Uh, so, uh, you know, a popular thing is 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 like mega bass or something like that, some uh, marketing term um, to sort of accentuate the bass or something like that. When we're producing music, especially in mixing and mastering, we want the monitors to be as transparent as possible. In other words, we don't want to color the sound. We don't want our our high frequencies to be colored and accentuated or uh, attenuated uh, or minimized in any sort of way. So in other words, you know, we want a, a pure sound. Uh, We don't want to hear something that sounds really pleasant on the speakers only to go out to our car or play it back on our iPhones to sound horrible. And so monitors play a huge role in ensuring that what we're hearing 
uh, will translate to other devices. So they allow us to monitor that signal in a way that's clean and pure so that we know when we're maybe uh, enhancing the bass or lowering the bass frequencies, um, we, we're not um, doing it too much or too little because the speaker is coloring the sound in some type of way. So that's really the kind of long and short of, of why we use monitors as opposed to commercial speakers in a studio. What are some features, like global features, uh, we should be looking at first? Yeah, so I think the first one is looking at monitors that are active versus passive. Nowadays, generally, monitors are active. What does that mean? It just means that they are powered. They have a plug, <laughs> a literal you know, plug you can plug into the wall and turn it on to provide power to the speaker. A passive monitor doesn't have built-in power, and so it requires an amplifier. Um, those are, are less um, prevalent, I would say. Um, you'll certainly find them in high-end studios and, and some home studios, but generally speaking, um, that's, that's kind of one thing. I gotta thing. say, though, I, I, gotta, I gotta come out with this. Like, passive monitors... <laughs> Like, I, I don't see a point. I don't see any more, a point anymore. Like, like there are so many monitors out there that have built-in power. I, I mean, like, pa- using passive monitors, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, m- maybe somewhere out there there's some utility in having a separate power source for your monitors. And I don't know. I don't know. If you want to recreate some kind of vintage setup or something. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm anti-passive monitor. I'm coming out as anti-passive monitor. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yes. I, I only bring it up for educational purposes I might actually even qualify today. what you've just done as misinformation. You're misguiding um, but yeah, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. I mean, most monitors you find today... Uh, are are going to be active monitors. I think 20 years ago, it was it was probably a way to I don't know cut costs or something like that. And so, you know, as technology has marched along, things have gotten more advanced, and having the power supply <laughs> built in is probably easier to accomplish. I don't know. I'm willing to go even as far to say as if if you're out shopping for monitors and someone's trying to sell you passive monitors or even like PA speakers like for your setup and they're passive, they're trying to pawn <laughs> off some old outdated system that they have on you and they're just hoping that yes. you'll bite. So just be careful. Uh, <laughs> that's All just right. my thought on it. <laughs> I can't say I disagree. Now that I've gotten that out of my system about passive monitors, can you talk to me about some other features that we should be looking at? Monitors have various connections. So, for example, we've talked about XLR. RCA is another one. So RCA you'll see on stereo equipment. It's like that smaller circular, um, generally they're like red and white. Um, You'll see uh, quarter inch connections as well. Um, Some monitors, like the monitors that I have, have both RCA and XLR. Some monitors have just quarter inch. You know, there's all varieties of this. But um, with quarter inch, uh, there is uh, what's called TRS and TS. That stands for tip ring sleeve and tip sleeve. 
So it's just what that is talking about is the sort of configuration of the actual plug itself. And the significance of the TRS is that it's grounded, whereas the TS is not grounded. So something to, to kind of look at um, and make sure uh, it accepts those kinds of connections. Well, why would we want one or the other? Yeah, the advantage of TRS is that it is grounded, which means it's going to have less noise, whereas the TS is going to introduce more noise. So anytime something is grounded... Um, it helps to eliminate noise. Potentially, potentially. Cause, I mean, I've, I've uh, plugged in cables that weren't TRS and didn't get noise, but there's always a higher risk factor, I guess. Like I said, it helps, but it, to your point, it isn't a guarantee. So just depending on your equipment and your setup. So better to have it than not, I guess. So I don't want to, you know, uh, how do I put this? I don't want to make anyone feel self-conscious or anything, but I got to ask, does size matter? Rich, it's, it's really not so much about the size as much as what you do with what you've got. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's get yeah. into that. Let's get into that. So in all seriousness, so I notice there are some speakers that are giant, right. like they're giant. And then there's some that are like, super small I can, and practically can't even see them on right. the desk. So can you talk a little bit about that? The larger the speaker, the more uh, the more it is able to do. So what, what, what does the speaker do? Well, it, it can be loud um, and it can cover a, a spectrum of frequencies. And so those are, those are kind of the main two, you know, I'm, I'm being very general here, but those are like the two main sort of things that a speaker <laughs> does. The larger the speaker, the more capacity it will have to be loud um, because its components will be louder, more durable, etc. So that can produce a louder signal. Depending on the manufacturer, it can cover a more uh, or a broader frequency spectrum uh, of the, the audible range of, of audio frequencies. And so that's a that's an important thing to look at. I think when when you're looking at speakers, is does this cover a very broad range of the frequency spectrum? Because that's important when you're mixing. Um, you know, companies can save some money by by cutting down on components and maybe adding cheaper ones. But the speaker doesn't necessarily cover, you know, as as much of the the um, spectrum of sound. And so it's something to, to look at. On the other hand, you've got to consider your, your physical space. You know, if you've only got a small bedroom or something like that, you can't necessarily fit, you know, these giant 14-inch speakers or whatever uh, in that room. And, and that's okay. Um, again, I think it's looking at the, the frequency response I don't personally feel like the loudness is is a factor because you probably shouldn't be listening back <laughs> at full volume. <laughs> um, I mean, that's cool if you want to do that once in a while, but generally if you're mixing or, or producing things like that, you want to keep it at a comfortable level. But again, I think it's that frequency response that's really important. Something else I'll mention here is the, the placement of the speakers matters. So... Uh, for for instance, if you're going to, you know, have your speakers fairly close to a wall, it's a good idea to get what are called front firing speakers. Basically, the sound is coming out of the, the, the front uh, of the speakers. 
Some speakers have rear firing built into them. And the problem is if, if those are up close to a wall, it's going to create some weird coloration of the sound because the sound's going to be hitting that wall. Um, so, you know, generally it's good to keep speakers away from hard surfaces, like, you know, up against a wall and things like that. I, this might go hand in hand with my next question, actually. Uh, I've seen switches and dials on the mm-hmm. back of uh, some of these speakers. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with that? And and some of them seem to, like, talk about right. placement of the yeah, speaker I, and whatnot. Can you get my, into that? My monitors have this. So, basically, the monitors are almost like an instrument. They can be tuned. And so, based on the room that you're in, certain frequencies can get exaggerated, uh, for instance. And the dials on the back of a monitor allow you to accentuate or uh, attenuate certain frequencies to sort of compensate for the room. So you're in essence tuning the monitors to your room. And that goes back to what I was saying before, where you want a flat sound. You don't want to color the sound at all. So while the speaker can color the sound, like a commercial speaker I mentioned before, that's true. The other thing that you kind of can't control is your room. You can't make your your room bigger or smaller. That's that's not really possible. You can mm-hmm. put up, you know, some uh, some what do they call it? Studio foam, that kind of thing, to sort of um, eat up the sound a little bit. But um, these dials in the back of the monitors do allow you to to really dial in. Um, you know, if you're getting too much bass or or you know treble, that kind of thing, you can you can roll that stuff off. Yeah, and I think what you were talking about earlier with the proximity of the speaker to the wall or whether it's in a corner, there's like sometimes settings on the back of the speaker that address those issues directly, at least the best they can. Um, So there we go. Very good. What other considerations are there when shopping for monitors? Uh, other small things. So I have the Atom A7X monitors, and one feature I love about them is that they have the power switch on the front of the monitor. So those that those kinds of details matter because I use these things basically daily, and if I had to crawl behind you know each monitor, you know every time I wanted to turn them on, it would be a huge hassle. So having that power switch on the front small feature with a huge impact the other thing that these monitors have that i really like is they have a volume knob on the front of each monitor so i can you know tune the volume of each monitor independently that's nice if i want to i like to call these sort of quality of life features that just make life a lot easier for you so rich You've got monitors, so I've talked a little bit about the monitors that I have. What was the process like for you when you went out to buy your monitors? First off, uh, what I did was I kind of figured out what my budget was, what my price range was, what I was um, able and willing to spend at the time. For example, my first monitors that I got, um, I had a very a smaller budget. So, like, I, I think I wanted to stay under three hundred total for the pair. Um, so that was a parameter I set up early on, 
And uh, so what I did next then was I went on, you could go on Amazon or Musician's Friend or Sweetwater or any of those sites, and you can start uh, filtering monitors based on different parameters. So I I started off with, what I did was I filtered by price and then I filtered by rating. So I looked at stuff that was four stars, four stars and above, um, and I started reading reviews. And what I tend to do is I, when I go to these things, I start off and I find the negative reviews first. And I try to see, is there a pattern here? Is there something I should be looking out for when I buy these that's reoccurring? If I don't see anything that's like glaring, uh, then you know I'll put those in the maybe pile um, and I'll try to narrow the choice down to maybe like three different sets of monitors that are, fall within my range and then I'll start looking at the I'll start looking at the features and seeing which ones would serve what I'm doing best and then I'll I'll pull the trigger later uh, buying my second pair of monitors or picking them out. Actually, I didn't buy them. I got them as a as a gift, which was awesome. Uh, but I had kind of picked them out already. I had some experience with my other monitors. Um, I started to get comfortable with them and starting started to understand how they operated and knew where I wanted to go next uh, with my next purchase. And then that helped me narrow down the next uh, the next batch and. Perhaps someday I'll do it again. But I think a good principle to follow when you're first buying this kind of stuff is, aside from you know budget and what you're using it for, it, let's say you have a huge budget, but you're new at it. Should you go out and buy the most expensive monitors? My thought is go to a shop that sells these things and try to see if you could get them to play some stuff on the monitors for you and you could listen to them and if you could hear a big difference from one to the other and you feel like it would be something that you could easily afford i would say yeah okay go ahead go for the ones that are a little more expensive but if you're if you listen back and you really can't tell the difference i would say start off with the uh less expensive option that still fulfills what you need to do and start there until you outgrow them. That idea of going to, say, a, a guitar center or other audio shop, something like that is a great idea. And I would recommend taking a mix of your own in, like something that you've done so that you really know it intimately uh. and you can you can really tell the difference, right? If it's something you're intimately familiar with that you've mixed and and are really um, plugged into, that would be the perfect thing to sort of try out on different monitors. And I can almost guarantee you they'll be happy to do that for you. <laughs> because, uh, you know, those guys work on commission. Yeah. So whatever they can do to make a sale, <laughs> they'll be happy to, to do. So don't don't hesitate to, to bring yeah. in a thumb drive or something with your, your mixes on it to check out. Yeah, if you're to that point, great. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're brand new to it, you know, just go with your go with your gut when you're listening. Like if, if the salesperson's pushing these monitors on you and you can't hear the difference, don't feel pressured to go with it. You know, maybe do more research, go back, look up some more reviews uh, before you make that final decision. And we're going to, per usual, post links in the show description for different resources uh, for you to, to check out, start your own journey of, of taking a look at monitors and 
that'll help you make uh, make that decision if you're looking to buy a new pair or to just learn a little bit more about monitors in general if you've already got a set and you want to dive a little deeper so we'll be happy to link to that stuff again in the show description i would feel guilty if i didn't mention one more thing uh, with regards to monitors is uh, a subwoofer this is something that I actually, when I first bought my first monitors, I, it wasn't even in my on my radar, like the concept of having a subwoofer. Can you tell us a little bit about a subwoofer and what, you, what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, the subwoofer, of course, is there for the low frequencies, the, the bass. You know, it gives you a more accurate representation of those lower signals. I personally don't have a subwoofer, and so I'm curious, Rich, since you have one, like what has been your experience with it? How have you found it to enhance or benefit your projects and your mixing and so on? Sure. So the biggest difference I notice is once you get the, you have to tune the subwoofer as well, and you only need one, just so people know, don't go out there and buy a pair of subwoofers. You don't need that. You just need one, and you just need to follow the directions that usually come with it as to where to position it and how to tune it up and everything. But the thing that I noticed is that I was able to get a more robust low end. I was able to access lower frequency response to to really allow me to mix uh, for people who have systems that can get to that point. Because like when you're listening to earbuds uh, on your iPhone or whatever, you're not going to get those low frequencies, yeah, um, you know, unless it, you are 20, using 30 Hertz or something is like, no way. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get that. But if someone has a higher end stereo at home or they're listening in their car that has a good speaker set up, they can get some of that. So you could cater to that a little bit. Um, what's nice about the, the I have a KRK uh, system. When you you can choose um, two modes, there's a mode that allows you to use the subwoofer, and what happens is the speakers, the monitors on the desk, uh, basically have a point at which they stop um, doing the low end frequencies and let the subwoofer take over. There is a way also, uh, there's a switch, I do believe, if I flip a switch, I can disable the subwoofer and then I can have the, the uh, frequency response, full frequency response of the desktop monitors to cover the low end as well. So I can get a different feel for the sound. So I would say subwoofer is something you can go for. If you find that you're, you're getting into recording and it's getting a little deeper and you want to like get more into the weeds with the frequencies uh, but not a requirement from the beginning yeah definitely nice to have so give us a brief recap justin so today we have discussed the wide world of monitors and we've talked about the different types of monitors uh, passive versus active we've gotten a very colorful um, uh, insight <laughs> from rich about his opinion on passive monitors um We've also talked about, you know, the different features of the monitors, why, you know, bigger isn't necessarily better. It depends on your space. We've talked about, you know, the different connections of the mon on the monitor for different audio cables and then quality of life features like having a power switch on the front, things like that. Um, and of course, we're going to link to different resources that you can check out to learn even more if you want to dive into the minutia of monitors. 
And so, you know, our goal with this episode wasn't necessarily to get into the nitty gritty technical, but more to just talk about why this tool is so important in a studio setup and environment. So with that, we'll wrap things up for this episode. And once again, thank you everybody for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Yes, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Justin. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Face Your Ears podcast. We hope you found it entertaining and informative. Check us out on social media and be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. For more information related to our podcast, head on over to www.faceyourears.com. Links can be found in the show description. And remember, whether you're a musician just starting out or a seasoned professional looking to talk shop, it's time to face your ears.